And let the church say, Amen. 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 Give God thanks and praise for all the beauty of worship this morning, the beautiful music, the community of faith that has gathered. Just being in the house of the Lord gives an abundant blessing. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we ask that you touch our hearts and minds today, that we might experience you anew, that we might understand fully what you have for us today. I pray, oh God, as your servant, I pray that you would touch my mind and my lips and my tongue, the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart, and may they be acceptable in your sight. And I pray it in the name of the one who came, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we've been in this sermon series entitled, I Am. I have looked forward to Ed's interpretation each and every week as he makes the scripture come alive for us as the gospel disciple John, as he's telling the story of how he understood Jesus's teachings. And um, each one of these statements, these I am statements that we have been looking at in the gospel of John, gives us a glimpse of the identity of Jesus. He attaches this identity to a metaphor in which we see a glimpse of the nature of God. Each statement tells us who Jesus is and who we can become. Because of who he is and who Jesus Christ can become to us, we can have things in life that every person is looking for. We can have love and grace. We can have hope and security of life now and life forevermore. We've been discovering this security and this life. As Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. As he says, I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. And I am the light of the world. Today we're discussing, I am the gate. And next week, we'll look at the other part of this. If we find this in the Gospel of John, we'll see that the I am the gate is right above where he says, I am the good shepherd. And next week, we'll talk about that good shepherd in our lives. I am the gate, he says. Now, this is also translated, as Pastor Sheila said in her prayer, the door. I am the door. Now, I'm showing my age here a bit, and if you're as old as I am, you might remember this game show, Let's Make a Deal. Anybody remember that game show? Let's Make a Deal. It aired in 1963, the year I was born, and it uh, quit showing in 1977. Anybody remember the show's host, what his name was? Monty Hall, that's right. Did you know Monty Hall died last year, just last year, at the age of 96? Now, there's a version of Let's Make a Deal, even today they've remade it. So some of you people who are younger than me would maybe have seen that show. But in its original form, um, it had some interesting parts in it, especially the, the costumes that people would wear to grab the attention of the host, right? They would wear the most outlandish, outrageous costumes to try to get the attention of Monty Hall. So he would pick them out of the crowd and he'd say, let's make a deal. They would come up and they had, um, after they 
were discussing the deal, then they got to choose a door. And in the original form, it had great big doors with one, two, or three, remember? And there's no rhyme or reason in trying to figure out the game. You couldn't strategize to figure out the game. You either had to just pick a door, one, two, or three. And behind each door was either the prize of a lifetime or something like a goat, you know? <laughs> And so you choose the right door and it was wow. And you choose the wrong door and you went away empty or with a goat. I'm going to talk to you today about the single most important door you can choose. This door has no hinges. It has no doorknob. It doesn't swing one way or the other. It is a person and that is the person of Jesus Christ. Now to give some understanding to I am the gate or I am the door, we have to go back a chapter. We have to actually go back into chapter 9 in the Gospel of John to understand what Jesus is saying here in chapter 10. Now then, when the Bible was written down, it didn't start out with chapters and verses that came later. So you have to read in context. You can't just pull the Bible open and point your finger down on a scripture and say, well, the Bible says this, so therefore that's what it go how it goes. You have to read in its context to understand what Jesus is saying here. So if we go back to the Gospel of John, John chapter 9, we hear about this blind man who has been healed. Pastor Sheila talked a little bit about that last week. And Jesus in that said, I am the light of the world. Now then, when the blind man is brought before the Pharisees to be questioned about his healing, they present arguments to Jesus, to, to the blind man about his healing, about Jesus. And with every argument, the man who's been healed counter-argues, and the Pharisees cannot dispute the argument. And so when they cannot win the argument about who Jesus is, they result to abuse and insults upon this healed blind man, and they cast him out of their presence. The questions that drive the arguments of the Pharisees are, is Jesus a prophet or not? Is he more than a prophet? Is he the Messiah? Is Jesus from God or not? Is he the one sent from God to judge over the world or not? Just who is this Jesus anyway? And the Pharisees were the ones in this who were really blind. They could not see who he was right before them. You see, when our eyes are focused on the light of Christ, everything else looks different, doesn't it? The people around could see who Jesus was, but the Pharisees could not see. You see, they were spiritually blind. So if we begin in the first verse of chapter 10, the Gospel of John, if you want to take a pew Bible and open that up and follow along, I, I urge you to do that. But chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. I assure you that whoever, enters, whoever doesn't enter into the sheep pen through the gate but climbs over the wall is a thief and an outlaw. Well, that's a way to grab your attention, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. This is directed at the Pharisees who have been questioning the blind man who has been healed. 
You see, the Pharisees have cast him out of their presence, and this statement grows out of the understanding that the Pharisees are the only authoritative guides of the people. And Jesus has already brought to the surface of their spiritual blindness. So he continues, The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The guard at the gate opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Whenever he has gathered all of his sheep, he goes before them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, but will run away because they don't know the stranger's voice. Now, who is the gate in this and the gatekeeper? It is Jesus Christ. Who are the sheep? Us. Uh, when I was um, a youth director, there was a song that we used to sing with the kids. I want to be a sheep. Bah, 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 bah. We, <laughs> we used to do that. We'd walk around the church. I want to be a sheep. Bah, 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 bah. We're sheep in this. Now, this statement is really key here because in the time of Jesus, there were villages and towns that had communal sheepfolds. What that meant was that the shepherds would bring all of their sheep together in a, safety, uh, a safe place with a door or a gate, and the gatekeeper had the only key to it. And so they would all come from different parts, and they would gather and put their sheep up for protection for the night from thieves, from bandits, from wolves. It had that strong door or gate, and if there was no gate or if there was no door to be found, the shepherds would then literally become the gate. They would become the door. They would lie in front of the sheepfold so that nothing could get between them and their sheep. Now then, when a shepherd came to gather his sheep, he would call out to them. And the sheep that were a part of his flock would follow him. And if they were not a part of their that shepherd's flock, they would stay behind and wait for their own shepherd. Now you're thinking, are sheep that smart? <laughs> I've seen this happen with cattle, not with sheep. My dad uh, raised cattle. He did not raise sheep. And so he would come to the gate when it was time to hay the cattle, and he would yell, sook, 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 sook. They'd be way off into the pasture. Sook, 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 and here they would come running up the pasture, up the little trail even, because he, they knew that there was hay waiting for them or there was corn ground feed waiting for them, something waiting for them, right? And so they would come running. Now, when I tried it, standing at the gate, Dad would send me to, to hay the cattle when I was older, a teenager, to to put hay out if uh, he was busy doing something else. Sook, sook, sook. And they'd look at me. What's that crazy girl think she's even trying to do? Sook, sook, sook. And after a while, they would come slowly, reluctantly, but they would come because they recognized the sook part, which was his call. They didn't initially recognize my voice. So sheep would do this. They would recognize the shepherd's voice and they would come. They would come out of the sheepfold and they would go out, out to pasture. 
Verse 6, those who heard Jesus use this analogy didn't understand what he was saying. Well, that was common too. You read many times in the scriptures, Jesus would explain the parable or he would teach in a way that the people would understand. So we go, verse 7, so Jesus spoke again. I assure you that I am the gate of the sheep. Hear that? I am the gate of the sheep, Jesus said. All who came before me were thieves and outlaws, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, when Jesus is saying all who came before me were thieves and outlaws, he's not referring to the prophets of old. He's not referring to the, the heroes of our faith like Abraham, Moses, Jacob, Joseph. He is referring to those that have come before Israel time and time again and said, if you will just follow me, we'll have conquest. We will have victory. We'll bring in that golden age. If you will just follow me, we will have the victory we've longed for. People who would go to any length, any amount of bloodshed for the conquest. He's speaking of people like the zealots who did not mind killing their own in hopes of conquest. Verse 10, the thief enters only to steal, kill, and destroy. You know that? The thief enters only to steal, kill, and destroy. William Barclay says this, theologian and author, he says this as, he's, as if he's speaking for Jesus here as Jesus. There have been men who claimed that they were leaders sent to you from God. They believed in war, murder, and assassination. Their way only leads forever further away from God. My way is a way of peace and love, and life, and if you only take it, it leads ever closer and closer to God. He says, I came, Jesus said in the other part of verse 10, I came so that they could have life, indeed so they could have live life to the fullest. You've heard me quote that verse so many times in my ministry here because it's such an important verse Jesus said, I am the gate. I'm the way into safety and healing with God. I'm the way that brings that protection, just like as that shepherd lays across that sheepfold gate to bring protection for the people. And he gives his people perfect freedom, just as a sheep may come in and go out to find rest and go out in pasture. God gives his people that kind of freedom. God loves us so much that he wants us to choose him, that he calls out our name, that provenient grace, that wooing grace that calls out to him and wants us to respond. He's not forcing us to respond. He wants us to respond to his love and his grace, so he calls and woos us to be with him. Jesus is saying, if you recognize my voice, you'll know who the true king is. You'll know who the true king is. Because when you recognize the voice, you'll know, you'll recognize the voice of truth, 
the voice of love, the voice of grace, the voice of hope, forgiveness. A voice that offers you much more than this world can offer you. You see, there's a difference between life and existence and life in abundance. Jesus is the only door that you can open that will bring life, life in all of its fullness. You see, life in all of its fullness, life more abundantly, the Greek phrase actually means to have a super abundance of a thing. To have a super abundance of a thing. So Jesus is saying, if you just invite me, ask me to be a part of your life, you're going to have a super abundant life. You're going to have this life that cannot be described. I could not ever put it into words. I could never even describe it in feelings of what your life can be like. If I had the perfect definition to give you right now, Every theologian in the whole world had gotten together and put their heads together to put the perfect definition of the fullness of life in. I could never describe it to you. Because when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know it. You know what it feels like. You recognize the shepherd's voice and you know without a doubt that this is the life that God has given you, right? Amen. This is the life that God has given you, yet... We so many times choose other doors, don't we, church? So many times in life we choose not the life of superabundance, but we choose a life of existence by choosing the wrong doors in our lives. There are several doors that people walk through every day thinking, this is going to be it. This is going to be the thing that brings me fullness and and." Um, joy and happiness this is going to be the thing that brings me that that fulfillment that I've been looking for only to know and find out that it's the wrong door they may choose door number one a door of power and prestige a door of influence and in the midst of it receive their prize and understand that it's really filled with emptiness and longing. Why? Because it's the wrong door. They may choose door number two. Family. And as important as family is, and as important, important and wonderful as family is, family alone cannot give us the significance and satisfaction in the fullness of life. Why? Because it's the wrong door. We, they may choose door number three with a brand new car. Isn't that what let's make a deal always? Everybody was always wanting a brand new car. With the jet set lifestyle and the, and the life of the party, only to find out they're miserable in the midst of their stuff and noise. Why? Because it's the wrong door. Let's face it, many of us have walked through many wrong doors in our life, right, church? We've done it. If we're honest with ourselves, we're a little bit like the jerk, Steve Martin, when he was playing the jerk, you know? 
All I need is this ashtray, right? And these matches. Oh, that's, that's all I need. Oh, I might need this lamp. Okay, and this lamp, and that's all I need, right? It's all I need. Oh, and this chair. I might need this chair. Yeah, and that's all I need. Only to be walking out the door with our arms full of stuff with nothing that we need, right? Right. Because what we need is Jesus Christ. That's what we need, church. Through Jesus, our empty lives, our lives of existence can be full, abundantly full, super abundantly full. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and they will come in and go out and find pasture. You hear that peace? That coming in and going out and finding pasture. And in the book of Revelation, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come into him or her and dine with him or her and they with me. You hear that relationship? That relationship with God, that loving relationship, that conversation with God, that you are not alone that God walks with you, just as this St. Patty's Day, we said that prayer, Christ goes beside me, before me, behind me. You walk with Christ. You journey with Christ. You see, Jesus is the difference between life and existence and the life and fullness, and all you have to do is choose that right door. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm yours. And that peace and that love that I said is indescribable will be yours. You'll experience it. You'll feel it. You'll know that you are sheep. <laughs> You're a sheep. You're his sheep. You're his. And your life in that will be wow. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, help us to follow you. Help us to follow you as our shepherd. Help us to remember you are the door that we need to enter. That nothing in this world can offer us what you offer us. Show us your way. Forgive us when we choose the wrong doors as we do, God. And help us. We need you, O oh God. Oh, how we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.